Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to episode 406 of Geek Town Radio. I'm your host Dave and with me this week is... How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. It's been a few weeks since you've been on. What have you been watching? It has indeed. So, when I'm not freezing, I have <laughs> yes. been watching Invincible Season 2, Part 1. Yes! The big return of the adult animated series based on the Skybound image comic about a teenager whose father is the most powerful superhero on the planet. And obviously it stars Stephen Yeun, J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, and a whole host of other talents. Yes, most of which come from The Walking Dead. <laughs> An awful yes. lot of them. Although there's there's now a bunch of people that like, you know, Mark Hamill and Zazie Beetz and Walter Goggins. And yeah, yeah. it's crazy cast. Uh, Sterling K. Brownie's in there as well this time. So yeah, it's, huh? it's just a nuts cast they've got for that. Have you been enjoying it? I really like that series. I do like Invincible. I uh, feel a bit uneven about this season. Mm. I'm obviously Invincible came out of nowhere when it came out a few years ago on Prime Video. Because I can remember when it came out, it happened to be the height of everything so there's Marvel shows there's all sorts of things around it and I think it was a bit quiet until we had a few weeks for everyone else to catch up yeah and then it just became one of these shows but yeah so in season two obviously after the very very messy event of last season's finale we have our young hero picking up the pieces him and his mother are shattered highly traumatized and definitely need some sort of mental health intervention but you know how these things go so they just keep on keeping on also we watch his graduation and it's that sort of thing that I like I like the fact that we're going between obviously this family getting over this terrible betrayal and the world sort of also dealing with it but at the same time it still has to be a person with a normal life as he graduates and he heads off to college it's very Spider-Man there's a reason why in the yeah. comics that they have a crossover um, oh, right. Spider-Man and thing oh yeah they do have a um, I think, yeah Invisible goes over to Marvel Universe for a little bit cool but yeah I do like it the episode's a bit uneven and the fact that it's four episodes is very weird to go oh yeah that's, that's your half a season yeah. now let that settle I remember they were sort of splitting it up and I mean it's taken forever for them to do it I know yeah. animation takes a long time but it, it took a really no it, really it's taken it's taken a longer time than even allowing for the whole animation thing I don't know what happened but yeah it's definitely longer than you would expect 
expect. Yeah. Didn't they do a two-season renewal of it to, to try and make sure the gap yes. was a bit shorter for the uh, next season as well? But I think the second part's due to drop in early 2024, I think mm-hmm. they've, they've said, with another four episodes. So it's only eight episodes as well. It's not like 10 or anything. So yeah, yeah. It, 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 but it, it was a bit weird. It's like, oh, there's no episode this week. Okay. As I say, I'm enjoying it. It's been a good show, but... It's a very good show. I do like how creative and interesting sort of the heroes and villains are. The villains are quite well written. Yes. If only other comic-based entertainment shows could do that, it'd be great. You can sort of see why they don't do it in live action, though, because, I mean, oh, I, it's cost a fortune to do that yes. in live action, that show. Because uh, yeah. it would need a decent-sized budget, and you wouldn't be able to get away, I don't think. Well, actually, on Prime, you probably could get away with the level of violence, I mean, given oh. that, you know, what they do on things like The Boys, but it is I think that even, level I think, of violence. I think, that, I think there'd be technical challenges, just, yeah. just for the sheer amount of aerial combat to make that not look ridiculous. Yeah. You'd probably have to invent like three or four new harnesses and things. Yeah. It but yeah, it be is very a great tricky. show. I'm glad it's there because we know how Hollywood is and they will iterate on anything they see as a success. So hopefully it can be a way forward. But yeah, if you've seen Invisible, you already watched it like I have, and now we're all just sitting around waiting for part two. Yes. The next thing I watched this might be something a bit different for people, NCIS Sydney. Good. I'm glad you've watched this because I'm not hugely into the NCIS franchise, but this yeah. is obviously a new one and it's shorter and it's slightly different. So I was interested to hear a review of this. So go on. Okay. NCIS is a huge brand. And no, it's not CSI. It's a different thing. NCIS is Naval Criminal Investigations Services, and they have the Mothership, which is currently running, which is NCIS, ludicrously successful. It's a simple procedural. We have a team of investigators as well as a pathologist who does the autopsies for when they inevitably find the dead bodies. The tech person, it's that simple formula. With it coming over to Sydney, because it is set in Sydney and features largely Australian actors, I think only maybe one or two are not Australian of the main cast. In the first story, which is also their origin story, there is a U.S. nuclear submarine docking in Sydney, and that's the first time that's ever happened. Right. So, so that's why NCIS is there, and we see the local Australian Federal Police, which is played by Toddler Sounds, which is a well-known Australian actor. So obviously they're there to look after everything. Inevitably, a body drops, and this high-strung American NCIS lead is forcibly partnered with the straight-laced Australian federal officer and that's the first episode is those working together. The NCS Lee which is played by Olivia Swan who you'll recognise from Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, she was Astra, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she has one partner with her so another NCIS but actually the rest of the cast are not. So there's only two NCIS members in this show. Right. The rest of them there is two ATFs so Australian federal officers this new tech student who has multiple PhDs and is there sort of getting like work experience working with their coroner pathologists that's the sort of team and it's that inevitable thing of it's an American in a foreign land and all those sorts of tropes of like getting into the car on the wrong side when she wants to drive things like that <laughs> a little bit of sort of clashing of styles almost adversarial but it never goes past sort of light comedy sort of yeah. route 
I watched the episodes. It's pretty good. It's coming together well. The cast, good energy. That's the central thing of the NCIS shows is that all of the cast members interact well. There's lots of banter because they are constantly bouncing little jokes off each other. And I think you sort of need to see that within the show to keep on watching. Mm-hmm. In a way that I guess more serious shows, like for instance, most of, say, Law & Order SVU didn't have that sort of interaction between the cast until much, much later, like six or seven seasons in. Whereas NCIS tends to go for that from the start, especially if you have what's, say, Los Angeles, which was very heavy on the interactions between the sort of central cast. Yeah. Obviously, that has come to an end now. So if you like NCIS, it's interesting to watch. It being in Australia is an interesting twist. The second episode sees them going after poisonous snakes. <laughs> right. Getting right into that local law, I guess. And yeah, really good so far. It's a short season as well, because it's an odd one, because it was specifically made for Paramount Plus Australia. So it, yeah, it was yeah. sort of made outside of the standard CBS model. So it's only 10 episodes. It actually aired in the UK before it aired in the US because it went out, it started on the 10th of November here and it went out on the 14th in the US. It basically aired globally on Paramount Plus in a lot of places apart from, I think, in the US where they put it on CBS. So the licensing's a little bit different for it, but it seems like a nice different addition to the franchise. I've never, as I say, been massively into the NCIS shows just because there's a lot of them and I just never really kind of got around to watching them, but I'm told mm. they are quite good. So I'm all for them trying different things, and I think this was an interesting different idea for them. So uh, so that's good. No, the cast seemed decent enough. She was good on Legends of Tomorrow. Sean Sagar, who's one of the other ones, was in Top Boy, and he was in Fate the Winx Saga and Our Girl as well, apparently. So good. But uh, yeah, so I've been looking at Paramount Plus this week as well. So we'll get to that in a minute. It is a Paramount Plus sort of time. Right. So next for me is Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Ah, yes. Apple. Yes, indeed. Set after the battle between Godzilla and the Titans, really the monsters are real, follows one family's journey to uncover its buried secrets and a legacy linking them to Monarch. Probably the first thing to explain is that Monarch is the name of the fictional US and or global agency that deals with monsters in the Monsterverse. So like they sort of take over, if you remember, way back to Kong Island. They are established, because you find out from watching the episodes, they are established in the run up to the Second World War. It's an interesting little show. The budget's extraordinary. The cast is amazing. We have Anna Suai, who is known for Pachinko, which is this really award for the show. Tell the story of a Korean, not dynasty, but a Korean family over several generations. Obviously, we have Kurt and Wyatt Russell playing yes. the same person. Yeah. I'm young and old. We have Kiersey Clemens, who plays a hacker. And basically, the show revolves around two half-siblings, because we have the daughter, who was living aboard in America, and who also lived through the San Francisco attack. She comes to Japan because her father's disappeared or died to settle his affairs, only to dun, 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 run into her father's other family. Ah. Which, if you're old enough, you remember back in the 90s, that was one of the biggest tropes ever. There were always men with two families. <laughs> How they managed to afford two mortgages beyond me, but never mind. <laughs> but anyway, obviously, this is a huge shock. She isn't dealing with it well. Eventually, after some back and forth, they 
they come together and the brother takes her to their father's office in Japan, which is nearby to where they live, and they stumble upon some documents. And these happen to be monarch documents. So dun dun dun, their father was like this operative spy thing which neither right. of them knew anything about. I see. Unfortunately, they take those documents because they obviously they're quite old, so they're like sixty, so they're like those weird magnetic tape things and all that sort of thing, and a lot of actual physical paperwork. They take it to a hacker who tries to decrypt it. She scans a little bit of it, puts it up on the web, and it's picked up by Monarch themselves, who quickly sent one of their agents who goes off to find out what's happening. And that basically starts a chase between this Monarch agent and the two siblings, as well as a hacker who gets dragged on for riot. So that's what we get in the present time. But there's much, much more here, because in the past, into the 40s, we see the beginning of Monarch, which is Kurt Russell's character. I think he's Air Force. And he's given this role to protect a scientist, which he thinks is oh, you know, a waste of time, basically just to be her driver. And this scientist is going around and investigating what will eventually become monsters. Right. So what happens is we go between those two timelines, as well as other timelines, like we go back to the time of the San Francisco attack and a few more little things. So there's quite a lot going on throughout these episodes of the show. And there's quite a lot to take in. Mm -hmm. What it does do well, it doesn't scrimp on the monsters. So you see plenty of monsters. Good. It's an interesting thing to see a fully realized world with lots of little touches to indicate that, yes, this is the world that you and I would recognize immediately. But yes, this world also has to take into the fact that at any moment, monsters could come bowling through and there isn't a darn thing that anyone could do about it. Right. So there's a monster warning that goes off when the sister is over in Japan looking at a thing and they all run off into a sort of like a bunker, which then prompts her panic attack because Obviously, she went through San Francisco and you see what happened. I won't give it all away, but yeah, what happened was quite traumatic, even if you managed to survive it. And yeah, it's just those little touches that keep things interesting. And that's about as far as I get it. We haven't uncovered anything bigger. They're basically just looking for their father at this point. Cool. It's an interesting one, this, because the show looked quite good. And obviously, you'd think it'd be sort of up my sort of street, given the type of stuff that we watch. I haven't actually seen any of the those monsterverse films and I don't know why they've just sort of bypassed me I've so, one, so. Uh, so I sort of want to go back and watch through them all because there's, there's Godzilla there's Skull Island there's yeah. King of the Monsters Godzilla yep. versus Kong and yep. the one coming the new one coming next year as well so mm-hmm. there's there's kind of a lot of them and so I want to go through and, and actually sort of watch them but the cast for this does look quite good uh, yeah. I noticed uh, Christopher Hirondal is in there yep. as well shout out Christopher Hirondal one yes. of my favorite actors who's in anything even as look at a sci-fi show yes yeah I mean pops up great people. actor um, um, he's in, in this he's a um, one star general yeah most recently like Peacemaker Chapel Thwaite popped up in an episode of Discovery Tin Star he was in Librarians he's popped up in Midnight Texas Van Helsing 12 Monkeys Arrow Minority Report the TV series Beauty and the Beast Falling Skies I mean yeah. True Blood Hell on Wheels of course was oh. one of the big roles um what was the other sanctuary sanctuary that's the one i was that's, thinking that's of. the um, show that he was talking about 
He was also in Andromeda. Yeah, Stargate Atlantis as well. He had a quite a big role in that as one of the Wraith. He's an incredible actor and uh, just seems wonderful. He's even in The Last of Us. And uh, one of the said, when The Last of Us came out, you know that this is going to be a good show when Christopher Heyerdahl turns up in the opening thing and he's never seen again because he is one of the, you know, the, the way yeah. Last of Us opens in that scene of them discussing the potential dangers of mycelial, uh, you know, fungi and that uh-huh. sort of stuff. And he is one of the two people that's used in that initial shot. And you're like, uh, okay, so he's not going to show up again. And they've thrown an actor of his caliber away in this. You know, this is going to be a good show. Great, great actor. So it's, I'm always happy and excited to see him in something. He's great. Really, really, really good cast that they've got in there. I will go and actually watch that series, but I want to go and watch some of the movies first before okay. I get I will, I will add up to because I have seen enough of the articles. I pain to say you do not need to see the films in order to get involved in this. And right. that's, that's pretty true because there's nothing in there that goes back to that other than the fact that, yes, monsters exist and that's what you need to accept. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And honestly, it does get me sort of interested about then going to access the other ones, which I think is the point. Well, yes, I'm sure that is the case. So, <laughs> so I listened to Slayers. Yes, they were pushing this quite hard at Exactly, yeah, I just about to say. Yeah. I just about to say, they would know what this is because it was on our identification tags for MCM Comic Con that we just had a couple of months ago. So it's hard not to think about it. But Slayers is from Amber Benson, who you should recognize, and Chris Golden. And if you don't recognize who Chris Golden is, he is a very talented writer who does a lot of adaptions. So when I say adaptions, so for instance, if there's a big, big game like, say, Star Wars Battlefront, Chris Golden is likely to be the person who writes a novel adaption. Ah. He's the same man. He also does things that he does a lot of stuff for Star Wars, especially Legends. He did a lot of writing for Legends, which is the old Star Wars stuff before Disney bought it and then turned all that stuff to non-canon. Also a lot of World of Warcraft, because there are two or three World of Warcraft books every couple of years, especially around when new expansion hits. He does a lot of those as well. So if you look around, you will see his name. And it's co-directed because it's an audio drama, so it's just like a radio play, by Casey Wayland. So it's original cast members from the beloved TV series by the Vampire Slayer reunite for an all-new adventure about connections that never die, even if you bury them. <laughs> Amber Benson obviously appears. Juliet Landau reprises her role. James Masters is in it. Charisma Carpenter is in it as well, as well as a number of other stars from the show. I get out of the way. No, she's not in it. Yes, she's <laughs> referenced. So you get that there. And it's set 10 years after the Slayer spell, which turned on all the slayers in the world at once. Yeah. So it's set around 10 years after that. And as we sort of see from the first sort of few episodes, I listened to it as a whole thing and all of us, I don't really know how the episodes cut from one to one to one, but we see that the bad guys are sort of very much on the ropes because obviously there are a lot more slayers to deal with. And we follow Spike, who at the beginning of things is working undercover. At first, he learns about plots to kill a slayer who has been badly injured after a fight. But while he's dealing with that, he gets involved with a new slayer. By new, I mean she became a slayer this morning. <laughs> right. So he's sort of trying to babysit her while getting the rest of the things done. Into that pops up a Cordelia, who obviously shouldn't be there. But this is not our Cordelia. This is a Cordelia from another dimension. Ah. And in her dimension, she is a slayer. The only slayer slayer right and she's on the sort of cusp of losing her war right which is why she's come to our dimension to find the one person who can help spike 
Ah, interesting. It's not given too much weight because it does say this right at the beginning of the synopsis because I, I read it checked before I came on. The reason why Spike is the only one who can help is because in her dimension, the strongest lead of all the vampires is Drusilla. Yes, that makes sense. Okay. And so we have all these storylines juggling and yeah, we just go on fairly wild ride. Yeah, lots of other sort of supporting cast members from Buffy show up. It's an interesting thing to see. Yeah. I noticed they've got, they've roped in Danny Strong again as well, who's still amazing. You know, this is sort of where Danny Strong got his start and he's now basically a Hollywood Titan producer, writer. He's a huge deal at this point. So I love the fact that he's been happy to go back and do some voice work for this. Anthony Head is in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Emma Caulfield as Anya. Obviously, Charisma Carpenter is Cordelia. It's, It's a really, Really, really interesting project that they've done and I'm so glad that they've managed to do it and do something new and interesting with it. Something new in the Buffyverse I'm always going to be happy about so I'm glad that they managed to get the license to do it and it seems to have gone down incredibly well for them which is great. It'll be interesting to see whether they do more of this moving forward because Buffy seems like it's one of those things that should work really as a sort of audio adventure in the same way that Doctor Who works as Mm -hmm. audio stuff. There's no reason why you couldn't rope a bunch of the cast back in to do more audio things. Yes. that's a great way of, of kind of keeping it alive and keeping it going I think so and the fact that it's Samba Benson actually writing it and mm-hmm. back playing Tara I think the cast sort of taking ownership of it which is great yeah that seems to be a central thing I saw from the interviews around the project coming out as well as very much about them taking control of something obviously that was very important to them yeah. but yeah so having a draw of it it's about eight hours long mm-hmm. for those audio people like me who listen to a lot of audio books so that's relatively short as things go but it's definitely full of action and it's yeah it's very much an audio play not an audio book yeah they're very diff- different to the, in the, the way that they approach things yes check it out obviously you can do it on audible if you don't have audible but you have amazon prime you can take it out as a free trial obviously yeah. remember to cancel it as soon as you initiate it so you don't get charged yes right one more thing for me SkyMed, which is a Paramount plus which is a canadian show i covered it quite a lot over time and follows intense character journeys and high stakes medical rescues, heartbreaks and tribulations of budding nurses and pilots flying air ambulances. Cool. It is what it sounds like. It is set in the more rural and northern parts of Canada in areas that don't have easy access to large hospitals. The SkyMed people, they fly in both supplies and medical staff, nurses in this place, and they will, for instance, they will go up to a reservation that is very out of the way just to check on some people. Mm-hmm. In the first episode, it was just a guy getting his dialysis done, so they were up there for that. And just if anyone at those places needs a medevac, right. in this case, it's a medevac, which is a plane and not a helicopter. Yes. Um, I guess just because the distances involved. Mm-hmm. As you would expect, it's lots of very pretty young people <laughs> running around, getting into hijinks, getting into relationships in the crew. I hope I get this right. I believe it's Aaron Ashmore's in this. Yes, it's, it's, it, it is. I just looked it up. It's Aaron Ashmore. He's the Smallville Warehouse 13 one, not the rookie one <laughs> out of the two Ashmore's. Yeah, but he's sort of a father figure. He's one of the pilots 
and the first episode due to, let's say, some cutting of corners and some other things. He is injured, which is sort of the big thing that happens in there. And we sort of follow on the journey from that. We're also sort of following the perspective of a new person who just joins the SkyMed team. She's a young woman, nurse, formerly perinatal, who has moved up there. She gets a call from her parents, who's very upset that she's left. And they make reference to her being sick. And she says, I'm not sick. I you see her with some medical documentation. So we know that's going to fester and blow up sometime in the beginning of the middle season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's pretty fun. It is very character driven. There is a lot of conflict, whether it be with the nurses who are based out at these like very small medical stations who are perhaps not treating the native people as they should. Mm-hmm. There's some interplay because at the beginning we see one of the pilots comes back from an interview with Air Canada and there's a lot of, is he going to go or is he going to stay? Did he get a job? Meanwhile, we had the people who work as sort of ground crew basically waiting to become qualified so they can start being pilots for the teams. You can see the back and forth about that. It's pretty fun. I like the characters. Like it. it feels a little bit like watching a show about university because it, it has that sort of feel. Right. Sort of feel like college life. No people who I'd immediately recognize except for a gentleman from Motherland for Salem. Right. Pranit Akila. I also know about him because at the moment he's trying to get a Desi vampire musical TV <laughs> show concept pilot off the ground. Just because I just happen to be following him and the Motherland Fort Salem people are very supportive of their cast. So it popped yes. up on my feed. Okay. And after seeing that, you can't just not click on it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't read that and go, no, nah, I've got to leave that alone. So I had a look. It's an interesting idea. But yeah, the rest of them are young, relatively unknown casts medical drama aimed a little bit younger than normal it's the easiest way to explain it cool not one I've checked out but I was aware of it you know I was aware it was one that they picked up and it was a sort of you know very Canadian thing as I say I've also been milling around on Paramount Plus because I was watching Lioness yeah I was thinking about whether not to watch that rather enjoyed that and that was really good and that's led me on to watching another one from um, Tyler Sheridan I watched uh, Mayor of Kingstown so I, I stepped into that one but before we talk about that there are a couple of other things just want to mention obviously geek town awards are still running on the website so you need to go on and vote on that if you haven't already geektown.co.uk forward slash awards there is a big prize as well all you've got to do is go in nominate your favorite tv shows video games and movies from the past 12 months just fill out the form on the website and you're automatically entered into the prize draw and you might win a huge box of geeky goodies which has some great stuff in it so uh, go and check out the prize list and all that stuff and go and fill out the form geektown.co.uk forward slash awards for that there was one other thing i wanted to mention before i start talking about things i've been watching you heard the news about mark shepherd no. If you don't follow Mark Shepard on social media, particularly Instagram, know. a couple of days ago, he was on his way to an appointment and collapsed in his kitchen. Oh, no. Six massive heart attacks later, <laughs> and having been brought back from the dead four times, he apparently had a 100% blockage in one of his arteries. Uh, it's what he's known as the Widowmaker, which is the same thing that nearly killed Kevin Smith as well. It was the thing that Kevin Smith, if you remember a couple of years ago, had a heart attack on, yeah. Yeah, on stage. Yeah, Apparently, Mark had six huge heart attacks and they had to sort of bring him back from the dead four times. He is in hospital. He's doing okay. He posted this on social media. Mark Shepard, if you've recognized the name and trying to place him, he plays Crowley in Supernatural. That's probably the biggest thing you'll know him from. But he has been in 
everything. I mean, he's one of those actors, like we were talking about Chris Arendal, just pops up in anything that's genre-related. I mean, he was in Battlestar Galactica, he's popped up in Doctor Who. But he's been in Walking Independence, he's in Doom Patrol. Yes, of course, he's Doom Patrol. He plays not Constantine in Doom Patrol. Yeah, Warehouse 13. Yeah, Warehouse 13 was the other thing he was in, but yeah, I mean, he's been in a ton of different things, but um, as I say, he did write this on social media, on Instagram. It was a photo of him in hospital with uh, pads and stuff where they're monitoring his heart on his chest but he seems to be doing okay they've managed to get him into hospital okay and save his life so that is all we really know about it at the moment but he seems to be doing fine uh that was the last post he he made and that was yesterday i think it was the day before so i've seen mark a million times at comic cons and he is wonderful he's a lovely lovely human being he comes across as a little bit spiky when you're talking to him but he is a complete sweetheart and just a really really lovely guy so i am so glad that he is still with us particularly after going through something like that and you know with us enough to be able to sort of post a message like that to his social media so um, i hope he gets well soon and i mean kevin smith as i say had the same thing and seems to be doing very very well now as well so that was a little bit of a shock, but I um, just wanted to sort of mention that if you hadn't seen that news about Mark Shepard and uh, yeah, wish him well as well. Onto things that I have been watching. Doctor Who, of course, came back with its second special, Wild Blue Yonder. Have you jumped back into Doctor Who for these? I have not. I wouldn't feel right about jumping in and immediately jumping back out again, just because I would be back for just for Donna, just coming in for Donna, then heading straight back out again. That would right, be a bit okay. weird. I don't think Doctor Who's for me at the moment. I think it is actually a pretty good place to sort of jump back onto it if you've kind mm. of dropped out of Doctor Who. It feels very much like a continuation of the sort of Russell T. Davis yeah. area. I mean, that that is how it's sort of designed and how they've kind of picked it up. Not that they're ignoring everything that happened in between, and this episode particularly does make references to a number of things which happened in between as well. It was really, really well put together. It was. I thought this was an excellent, excellent episode. It, it's practically a two-hander between David Tennant and Catherine Tate. Pretty much most of it takes place on a spaceship at the edge of the universe which has the two of them in it and they are trapped and trying to find a way off it and it it is basically a two-hander pretty much between the pair of them Um, but it's really well written it's beautifully done looks great there were some references to the green screen not being brilliant in a few places but generally i mean the production quality across the series for the two episodes we've had so far has been massively heightened from what we've seen previously on doctor who we also get the final screen appearance anywhere of bernard cribbins who sadly passed away shortly after they filming this i mean he he was in his 90s but i mean he, yeah you know he at least came back and sort of um it's rather sweet that he ended his career on the thing that sort of revitalized his career in his 80s you know (laughs) his late 70s 80s so be lovely to have him back on and this being his final appearance i think he's rather rather sweet as well but I'm just really looking forward to seeing where they end things and how they move from the 14th to the 15th Doctor because we know that is obviously coming. The episode next week which is called The Giggle is the Neil Patrick Harris one and I honestly Neil Patrick Harris you can put in anything and he will make it better so I'm very much looking forward to that. We don't know what point Shooty turns up there is a suggestion that he will probably make an appearance in the episode next 
last week in some capacity, but we don't know exactly how. This is going to be a very interesting regeneration because we still don't know why the 14th Doctor looks like the 10th Doctor. They still haven't given the explanation for that. So it's been great. I mean, these these first two specials have been great. If you jumped off Doctor Who because you didn't like the direction it was going, now is a really, really good time to jump back on because they've been very, very well written, these two. It's been really fun. So go and check those out. It's been great. The other show, as I mentioned before, is on Paramount Plus and is called The Mayor of Kingstown. There are two seasons of it out already. It's another Tyler Sheridan show, who is, of course, the person behind Yellowstone and a whole bunch of other things. Jeremy Renner is the lead on it, and it's a really interesting setup. It's got elements of Ray Donovan to it, I would say, if you like that sort of show. The principal setup is there is a a fictional town of Kingstown, which is basically a town that is a bunch of prisons. So it is a town set up for essentially the workers of the seven different prisons that are surrounding it. And the prisons are a variety of sort of, you know, high max, low max, women's, men's, that sort of thing. Jeremy's character, Mike, and his brother are the sort of conduit for the prisoners to keep the prison population under control by doing sort of favours and being a sort of conduit between them and the authorities and the guards. So they're fixers, basically. Um, And that's the setup for the show. The brother not really giving anything away because they open the show with Jeremy Renner saying, I am the mayor of Kingstown. And when you actually start the show, Mitch, his brother, played by Carl Chandler, is the mayor. And we're not talking about the actual mayor of the town. That's the title that is given to them as their fixers. Mitch is actually the, in quotes, mayor of Kingstown. So as you might guess, things don't go entirely well for him. And it ends up with uh, Mike becoming the sort of mayor, in quotes, of Kingstown. It's a really, really interesting setup. As I say, because it's got this fixer element, there is a certain amount of sort of Ray Donovan-ness about it as he's sort of got a shady past himself, but he is trying to do the right thing and be a good person, but he's having to do shady things along the way. The supporting cast is quite good. It's got Aidan Gillian in there who plays this sort of Russian mobster who is trying to get Mike to do things that he doesn't want to do. You've got Diane West in there as his mother, who is great in that role. There's another brother as well who is a detective. You've got Emma Lard who plays Iris, who so was in the Crowded Room as well, the Apple series, who's a sort of high-end core girl who is also trying to get the attention of Mike as well. The 20 episodes of it across two seasons, I'm about eight episodes into season one at the moment and really rather enjoying it. Um, It's one of those things that because we've got to that point in the year where a lot of things have started to fall off air and there are not that many new things starting. We're in that sort of wilderness period pre-Christmas and sort of Mm. over the Christmas period where people don't want to launch new shows as much. So I thought I'd go back through and watch some of the things that I thought I found interesting that were sort of kicking around. So uh, I would highly recommend that though if you've not gone to check that one out. Mayor of Kingstown is, is a good, gritty, quite darkly funny in places show. But yeah, worth going to check that one out. The other thing is it was 
MCM Birmingham this weekend, so uh, there will be a few video clips going up. There was a fairly limited guest list, it would be fair to say, for MCM in Birmingham. The uh, show was great fun, as it always is. It was freezing cold and snowed on, like, second or third day, but, I mean, oh, wow. very, very cold. But, you know, still great fun to be out there and uh, wandering around the MNEC. It's a huge, huge show with lots and lots of great stalls. It's a good time to do it this time of year if you want to go and pick up some geeky Christmas shopping. It's great for doing that. But they did have a few different panels running, not as many as they usually do, but there were a few panels. Roger Clark from Red Dead and Troy Baker did a panel together for a game called Fort Solace, which they're apparently both in. The panel's really funny because technically that's what the panel was for, but they didn't really talk about that. They mainly talked about Red Dead and The Last of Us because those are the games that they're known for. So most of the questions and most of the stuff that they were talking about was general kind of stuff around those games and the TV show and that sort of stuff. So there will be clips from that panel going up. It's an MCM show, so I can't put the whole panel up. It's going to be clips going up from that. Jennifer Hell and David Hayter did a panel for Metal Gear Solid, which was really interesting if you're a Metal Gear fan. That should have some good bits in it for you as well. Then there was an Overwatch panel with Jennifer Hell again and Cara Theobald and Boris Helston. That was always fun to hear them talk about Overwatch. And there was a Baldur's Gate 3 panel with Neil Newborn and Devorah Wild as well, which uh, was, was great. I mean, Neil's always fun. I don't think I've seen yeah. Devorah before, but Neil's always fantastic. And uh, this character in Baldur's Gate 3 is great as well, because that is the other thing that I've picked up Baldur's Gate 3 recently as well. So I've been playing through that. But oh, um, cool. really, really, really good. Great hearing them talk about characters and having fun with that. Those will be going up onto the YouTube channel fairly soon, some point later this week. Don't know exactly when yet. But as I say, they will be cut up into clips, unfortunately, because we can't upload full panels to, for MCM stuff. There is stuff up on there from uh, Wales. If you want to go and check out the YouTube, there's some great panels up from Wales, which are full panels for that. That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So we kick off the TV and film news with Renault's cancellations and pickups. Uh, fewer cancellations this week than we had the last couple of weeks, uh, which is good. You know, that seems to have slowed down a little bit because it was a bit hectic before. But Swagger has been cancelled of Apple. That uh, was an NBA drama that had two seasons, but that's that's been canned, apparently. They've also cancelled Central Park as well, the animated series, after three seasons, according to Joss Gad. They've not officially announced that themselves, but Joss Gad said okay. it's not happening anymore, which which is a shame because there was a lot of popularity for that. I don't know why they've decided that's gone. Also, Riches, which was a sort of glossy, high-stakes family drama that was a co-production between ITVX and Amazon. Amazon have apparently dropped out, and although ITVX haven't officially said they've cancelled it, Amazon said they're not picking up the second season. So I rather suspect that's dead at this point, but um, yeah. that, that would seem to be the case because, you know, if they, unless they go and look for another partner, but there was very little traction as far as I'm aware on that show. So... 
I can't imagine it's something that they'll fight to bring back particularly. So it's cancelled after season one, is it? Yes. Okay. That's cancelled after season one. It went out was it earlier this year or last year, I can't remember. But um okay. so that's gone. And over on Amazon, the Grand Tour is, well, ending-ish. There is a final outing of the Grand Tour, which will have uh, Clarkson, Hammond and May coming back doing a final adventure, basically, for them. But they have basically said that's going to be the last one. It, it seems to have been decision by the three of them that they've just want to go on and do other things. They're all getting a bit long in the tooth for all the antics they've decided and they just want to go off and do other stuff however under their blessing amazon have been given the blessing to go and like you know if they want to carry the format on with new presenters they're happy for them to do that which is interesting given the state of top gear right now you do wonder whether uh, some of the top probably not freddie obviously after everything but you do wonder whether the other two top gear presenters might and a third might end up going and taking over the grand tour (laughs) stuff but um yeah i mean which would be hilarious if that does happen but at the moment the grand tour in its current iteration has one more special to go out and that'll be it they are still working on shows with the three guys uh so the the james may our man in thing is still going on and uh also clarkson farm they've announced on the renewals is uh being renewed for a fourth season ahead of the third season which is going to be coming at some point in early-ish 2024 so uh, there are definitely two more seasons of that on the way they're working on stuff with richard hammond as well apparently so uh yeah clarkson farm will be back though that's his main show and james may will be doing his stuff as well so uh so lots of that sort of thing i mean i hadn't watched the grand tour for quite a while so yes it looks like that's coming to end and top gear is also as we mentioned last week come to an end so kind of lacking in car shows i mean it's time channel five brought fifth gear back possibly i don't know but there's certainly an opening for a car show i think at the moment i agree we were saying last week i mean top gear i think that format has got very very tired and they yeah. need needs revamping in some way what exactly they do i don't know but it's interesting you say this because I think what, um, at least what I see on YouTube, because I find myself watching a great deal of YouTube these days, is that there's a lot of car content there, which is a direct extension of people who cover tech. Mm-hmm. So like the biggest name, like a guy called Marquise, he has a dedicated um, thing job because he was just showing off the Cybertruck. He actually got his hands on one. Right, yeah. I was driving that around and that seems to be, I see a lot of the tech people covering cars, obviously covering, but those tend to be electric, obviously. Yeah. And I feel that probably be where we'll see things go next yeah my favorite suggestion for what to do with top gear was to hand it over to the red dwarf guys purely because of the fact that you've got a pre-built group of people that know each other very very well that are really into their cars Mm. i'm I'm not sure quite how much craig is but certainly danny chris and rob all love various different vehicles you know i mean rob's very into his electric cars chris is very into his classic motors i think danny uh, danny is a motorbike guy as as well as other sort of fast cars as well so i I think that's a brilliant idea is just to hand the whole thing over to the red dwarf guys and let them do a show together on cars (laughs) will be a wonderful experience but we'll see we'll see what happens 
Moving on to other renewals as well, Godfather of Harlem, that's been renewed for season four by MGM Plus in the US. Of course, it goes out on Lionsgate Plus over here. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with those shows because Lionsgate Plus is closing down next year. So that also goes for uh, Power Book 3 Raising Canaan as well, which has landed in early season four renewal. Also goes out on Lionsgate Plus over here. Again, no idea what will happen and where they will land. It's possible we may get another streaming service. They, they sort of get rid of the uh, Lionsgate plus and launch mgm plus globally it may be that they all get sold to somebody else we don't know at the moment mm-hmm. there has been a couple of us renewals for nbc just mentioning these as a possibility that we might actually get pickups for these now they've got second seasons found which is a missing persons drama starring mark paul goslier and uh, shalona hampton from Belanti productions also um, brett dalton Oh, uh, yes, and Brett Dalton as well. There you go. I, I missed him in the uh, in the casting list, but yes, there you go. So those guys in there, that has been renewed for a second season. That is an NBC WB co-production, so I don't know who has the international rights for that so it could end up anywhere but uh, we'll see with that one that is a possibility and that's called Found and the other one is called The Irrational that stars Jesse L. Martin who you'll know from The Flash and uh, he's a world-renowned professor of behavioural psychology with a unique insight into human nature solving various high-stakes cases involving governments corporations and law enforcement so uh, I mean Jesse L. Martin yeah I got got screened into that because it's it's filmed in Canada right think of it as Sort of very light, light to me um, with that's procedural, yeah. So that sort of thing. So he has that sort of style, but obviously, light to me. He tended to take things to the extreme in the way that he dealt with people. Whereas this one is, he's very much this sort of a cool professor. Right. As opposed to Light to Me, which whatever the heck that was, him just sort of running headlong into everybody. Yes. So yeah, it's fun. It's nice to see Jesse Martin as a lead. Yeah. We've sort of seen him sort of do the sort of supporting role as Joe West for all those years. I've also seen him, you know, do the detective procedural thing over in Law and Order for all those years. Yeah. He's a different character. Nice to see him up front like this. Yeah. I suspect it should be an easy pickup for like Alibi or somebody. Yeah, I, I think it probably will be um i think that is an nbc universal show so i mean sky maybe mm-hmm. um, but i mean that doesn't always follow because they still have to pay for the shows even though they are part of the same group i mean they're both nbc and sky are owned by comcast but they still have to pay nbc mm-hmm. for the show even though technically it is moving around money internally they need to balance the books so i mean it doesn't cost them nothing we'll see with that it could end up on sky could end up on i mean like you say alibi seems like a natural fit for it as well so we'll see with that but that one's called the irrational the upshaws has been renewed for season four or part six apparently uh by netflix so that well, while therefore it was season four part six we went that's a that's stretching things out of it <laughs> yes if you want to break seasons up into six parts it seems a little harsh yes i i think it's one of those things you know a bit like disenchantment or sabrina where yeah it was sort of Th- what three seasons but six parts or something or agents of shield yeah or because i had loads of different parts yeah so three seasons so yeah. apparently but yes uh season four part six apparently and the bbc has renewed the gold for season two as well so that will be coming back which i know some of the key characters are not coming back uh without giving spoilers away but uh there are obviously some of the key characters are not going to be returning but 
the story of them trying to recover the gold was much bigger than the sort of initial arrests and story that they told in that first season. So some people were surprised. They were like, well, how are they bringing that back? Well, the, you know, they, it, it is going to continue to follow. Yeah, it's, it is a bigger story than yeah. the beginning. So, uh, yeah, it's going to carry on with the police and, and all that sort of stuff about sort of them chasing the gold. So that will be back for a second season. And uh, Reacher has been renewed for a third season ahead of the season two launch, which launches on the fifteenth uh, of December. So uh, mm. that is coming fairly soon. I don't know about you, but I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this. Yeah, I keep on checking, keep on thinking, is it, is it coming out in November? No, no, it's not coming out. No, okay, come back. It'll be in fifteenth. It'll be fine. Be fine. Just because I think it's a, I'm a mixture between. It's quite funny watching him beat people up, and I want to see if this style of show can work because obviously it is just him returning every season and everything, including the locations, change. Yes. So I want to see if that works. Although we will see his friend who we did meet last season, his fellow army person. Yeah. But it is mostly all new people. So I just want to see how that works in a show like this. Yeah, because that was the thing when we were watching it last time. It's like, I really like those characters, but you know, you you can't see them again because that isn't how the show works. It was great that first season. I really, really enjoyed it. I think he's really good in the role and uh, yeah perfect piece of casting for it so uh, yeah i'm so happy they've renewed it for a third season and it will be back for a second season on the 15th of december so uh, that's reacher i but if you've not caught that yeah go and check it out because it's really i don't i don't think he can keep on getting bigger every season though because he's (laughs) quite famously put on like an extra 15 pounds of muscle for season two so i I don't think this can just keep on going it's gonna get ridiculous yes yes it's gonna look like the hulk by the end of it if that carries on in some pickups and other bits of news paramount plus has picked up the u.s crime drama it's uh airs on fox over there called accused it is based on a uk series if you're thinking hang on wasn't there a uk series called that it's going to be airing from the 4th of january it's from the people behind 24 and homeland uh howard gordon is involved in that it's also david shore is an exec producer who is behind house and the good doctor as well he is he, producing it it's a sort of anthology thing so it is a collection of 15 in Tense, topical, inquisitive human stories of crime and punishment told from the dependent's point of view. It is very much based on the British show. Some of the storylines they have reused from the British show, apparently, as well. Was that the show that is literally just one room? No, no, you're thinking of the Netflix series. It's not that. I don't think I ever saw the original British series. I don't remember it. I know there's a lot of love for the original British series. It was made in 20. 10 uh, and it's a Jimmy McGovern series the original okay. and uh, Danny Brocklehurst as well so uh, yeah it's Jimmy McGovern Daniel Brocklehurst Alice Nutter with the leads in it uh, Chris Eccleston and Mackenzie Crook were in it Andy Circus, Mark Warren so I had an amazing cast through the series but it was of course it was a BBC series so there was only like six episodes in the first season four episodes in the second season so of course they've had to do a few more stories for this because there are 15 episodes in this so they've they've come up with some more stories there is a ridiculously sorry cast for it the 
cast across it includes people like Rachel Bilson, Megan Boone from The Blacklist is in there, Aaron Ashmore, the same one that we mentioned earlier, yeah, that yeah. He, is, he pops up in this, Jason Ritter is in it, Betsy Brandt from Breaking Bad is in there, Michael Chiklis, Whitney Cummings, Jack Davenport shows up, um, Margot Martindale, Molly Parker, Rhea Perman, Wendell Pierce, Michael and Jamal Warner. I mean, this is a huge array of, of sort of well-known TV names that are popping up in this. I'm sort of interested to see it and I mean when I posted it there were people that have watched it that have said love the British series this one's rubbish but I take that with a pinch of salt because people always have that reaction when the Americans remake something so I will see for myself what I actually think of it but Howard Gordon I love his stuff I mean Homeland was great 24 was great as I say it's David Shaw also co-execing it as well from House and The Good Doctor so I mean there's a good set of shows um, that they've got under their belt between the pair of them. But as I say, they're, they're sort of, it's a different cast with each episode. So there are different stories. And the thing that links them is this idea of, of them being told from the defendant's point of view. It's not the interview process, which was criminal. That was the one that you were thinking of, oh, which okay. was a great series as well. That's called Accused. It's coming 4th of January to Paramount Plus, that is. So keep an eye out for that. Gangs of London, which is uh, currently going to be back for another season. They've announced some people that are going to be involved in that. Um, joining the cast are Andrew Koji from Warrior and Bullet Train, Richard Dormer from Fortitude and Game of Thrones and a million other things. Tina Miller from Years and Years, Full of the House of Usher. They're all joining the third season, so uh, that will be an interesting group of people. Um, I, I don't think that means the end for Warrior because um, Andrew obviously is the lead on that one. I suspect this is just something he's doing alongside that, so keep an eye out for that. But uh, that has been a great show as well, worth checking out. Oh, definitely. The Tourist finally got a premiere date for its second season. That is the Jamie Dormer drama that is coming New Year's Day. They've announced that. It's going to be on BBC One. It'll also be from 6am on New Year's Day. The entire thing will drop onto iPlayer, so you can basically, if you've got nothing else to do on New Year's Day, you can sit immerse your hangover and watch to the tourist uh, it's all set in Ireland I think the second season because of course they were in Australia for the first season so the second season is in Ireland okay mm. Prime Video have announced they've greenlit a Cruel Intentions TV series based on the movie of the 90s which uh, I'm sure many of you remember uh, yeah. they've announced the cast for it as well Sarah Catherine Hook from First Kill Zach Burgess from Totally Completely Fine Savannah Lee Smith from Gossip Girl Sarah Silver from American Horror Stories Kobe Carl from Firefly Lane and Yellow Jackets, John Holland Kim from The Last Thing He Told Me in 911, Brooklyn Johnson from You, and Sean Patrick Thomas from Till are the uh, leading cast for that. Any interest in a Cruel Intentions TV series? I know they've tried a number of times to do this. Cause... Yeah, they have tried some series and uh, sequel and things like that. That sounds interesting, and that cast looks good, but then I see that Prime Video tag and go, hmm, how about I come check you after you renew it? Yes, Prime Video does struggle a bit, particularly with these YA dramas. Yes, it, it, they are very trigger-happy on their YA dramas, and they're 
produced some amazing shows. I yeah. will never stop talking about how good I know he did last summer was and they canned it. Yeah. So and I think like a lot of people, they're gonna be very shut also with the recent cancelling of The Wild after two seasons. Yes. That was another one that drove people crazy. So uh, I suspect they're probably not going to see what they want to and that's going to go the same way because people are just too nervous about these things now. Yeah, it is a little bit of a shame that. I'd be interested to see it and, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed the film which of course uh, was uh, Ryan Philippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar, wasn't it, the, uh, the mm-hmm. movie version? But, um, Fantastic. Such yeah, show. really good. Uh, and it's, it's a double shame because um, it looks like the lead, yeah, well, one of the leads, Sarah Catherine Hook, came from First Kill. That was so messy. <laughs> they had lightning in a bottle Netflix did and they cancelled that I could not believe it yes well of course they did it's Netflix <laughs> <laughs> so Netflix. yeah if, if those people don't know uh, go look it up uh, first kill it is a LGBT um, a vampire versus vampire hunter thing which is just it's messy it's fun and it gets pretty wacky as you, get, as you get further into it so worth to go and watch obviously afterwards you will be gritting your teeth and wailing because it was cancelled yeah it was one of those things that you know I mean Netflix made a million of these YA shows and then cancelled most of them it's such a shame it's just they need a bit less intervention from the algorithm I think at that point because the algorithm seems to just not like the YA shows just retool the algorithm so it actually takes a look at social media reach because it, there's yeah. no way it's taking it into, into consideration or anything so. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, you know, sometimes these things need time to find their feet and they're just not given them. Thinking the same way that back in the day, Netflix would drop a small country's GDP on shows like House of Cards and all the rest of them. Not for people to watch, just because they're prestige. They need to understand that these are the sort of prestige shows are the thing because you can point to First Kill as some excellent examples of representation and actually taking a look at a positive, non-tragedy story of LGBT yeah. in a TV show. Those are things you can hold up and show, but their member hasn't got there yet. Yes, unfortunately, First Girl's gone, but, you know, First yeah. Girl's loss is Cruel Intentions game by the looks of things. So, uh, yep. yeah, she's going to be the lead in that, uh, Sarah Catherine Hook. That's literally been announced today, so don't know when that is, is going to shoot and land, but presumably it'll be some point towards the end of next year that'll show up. They've also got some casting for the long, long in development uh, Noel Hawley's Alien series, which we've been talking about forever, as far as I I can remember. Timothy Oliphant has joined that. So that we're going. Details on exactly what the series is are fairly scant right now, but we do know it's a prequel set on Earth rather than being on some random spaceship. It's set way before the events of the original film. It's supposedly set around the 2090s, so about a decade before we meet Ripley in Alien. The lead in it is uh, Sydney Chandler from Don't Worry Darling and Pistol. She's playing Wendy, it's the character's name, who according to the reports is a hybrid metahuman who has the brain and consciousness of a child but the body of an adult. Tinifui Oliphant is a reportedly playing Chris, who is a synth who acts as a mentor and trainer. So those are the main two 
two leads for it. Alex Lawther from Andor and End of the Effing World is playing a character called CJ, who is a soldier. There is Samuel Blenkin, who was in Peaky Blinders and The Witch of Blood Origin. He's a CEO called Boy Cavalier, apparently. Essie Davis from, well, who is Miss Fisher in the Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries and also popped up in Game of Thrones, playing somebody called Dame Silver. Ardash Gurav is from Extrapolations and White Tiger is playing character called Slightly and Kit Young from Shadow and Bone is playing Toodles apparently in this so those are the uh, main cast for it that have been announced uh, again don't know exactly when that is dropping but um, that is going to be on Disney Plus over here because it's being made for FX or FX on Hulu I think that so uh, I do find it funny that you know Disney owns Mickey Mouse on one hand and then Alien <laughs> It's just a really odd mix of things. It is weird. The amount of stuff that they had. But yes, so uh, that is coming at some point. Don't know exactly when yet. And one could argue problematic because obviously there's only so many large scale franchises that he wants going on at once. So somebody's got to take a backseat. Yes. Noah Hawley, I love. And the Alien franchise has been very up and down. But yeah, I guess. This is weird. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see whether this works. But yeah. BBC announced a new historical drama called King and Conqueror, which has got two very attractive leads in it. It's uh, James Norton and Nikolai Costa Waldu. Uh, King and Conqueror is basically the story that leads up to the Battle of Hastings in 1066. So uh, Norton's playing Harold of Wessex and Costa Waldu's playing William of Normandy. It's one of those things that they announced and you go, that's interesting. I can't think of another time where there's been a TV show or even a film that's actually covered this. It's such a big event and you kind of would have thought that it would have been covered in quite a lot of detail in various movies and TV shows, but I I, I can't think of one. King Conqueror is the story of the clash that defined the future of a country and a continent for a thousand years, the roots of which stretch back decades and extend throughout the pair of interconnected family dynasties struggling for power across two countries in a raging sea. Harold of Wessex and Willem of Normandy were two men destined to meet in the Battle of Hastings in 1066, two allies with no designs on the English throne who found them themselves forced by circumstance and personal obsession into a war for possession of its crown. Those are the two leads. The series is written by Michael Robert Johnson, who worked on Sherlock Holmes and the Frankenstein Chronicles. The opening episode is directed by Balthazar Kormakor, I think his name is, uh, who uh, directed Adrift and Everest and Trapped. Some good people involved in it. I think Norton is also exec producing through his uh, production company as well. But I, as I say, it's an interesting one because I don't think they've ever covered this area of history before. And I quite like a good historical drama and, uh, you know, it's a good one for the BBC to pick up. I don't know whether this is planned as an ongoing thing or whether this is going to be a, a one-off stuff, but uh, I mean, story of the Battle of Hastings or le- the story that leads up to the Battle of Hastings more accurately, uh, which uh, any interest in this one? I, th- I, I quite like the sound of this. Oh, I did study history when I was younger because I wasn't in the country at the time. I don't know if I get into it. But I can understand that if you did, it's be pretty cool yeah sounds it's an interesting setup and it's sort of a history that i mean everybody knows about the battle itself but i i don't think people know much about like harold and william and the sort of history around that i don't know how historically accurate it'll be of course but i mean i still think it's an interesting idea that's all the stuff we've got for this week there are a few highlights for next week on tv 
So highlights for next week on TV. As we mentioned earlier, um, we're in that sort of dead period where people don't really like launching new shows. There are a couple of things that are coming, though. Uh, Mayfair Witches, which we mentioned a few weeks ago, which is the sort of companion piece, uh, which is apparently, from what everybody appears to be saying, nowhere near as good, to The Vampire Diaries by Anne Rice. Again, by Anne Rice, but uh, it's based on those novels. BBC Two, 6th of December at 9pm, that lands. Although I think, actually, if you go onto iPlayer Right now, all the episodes are already up on iPlayer, so you can go and check them out. Uh, I think they dropped on the first, but if you want to watch it on broadcast, it is uh, BBC Two at 9pm on the 6th of December for that. Smothered is a new show coming to Sky Comedy. It's uh, from Monica Helsky, who wrote on Shit's Creek. It's uh, John Pointing from Big Boys and Daniela Vitellis from May I Destroy You as two sex staff strangers who agree for some no-strings fun until strings begin to appear so uh, that's called smothered it's coming to sky comedy on the 7th of december you can uh, check that one out and vigil the show which the first season was set in a submarine the second season is going to be about drones saran jones and rose leslie return to star in that and uh, it's sort of the police investigating issues with the military but uh, bbc one 10th of december at 9 p.m that lands on there so uh, that is their new show some interesting stuff coming back vigil i very much enjoyed the first season so i will be watching the second season of that i might go and check out mayfair which is although i am I have to admit slightly put off by the fact that everybody says it's not very good but we'll see yeah if people want to find more of your stuff where can they find you so they can head over to hollywoodnorthnews.net where we'll try to keep them updated with all things shot in Canada, which is more than you might think. I'm just about to go into an interview tomorrow about an organization that supports young black filmmakers in Canada. So you'll see that video up as cool. soon as I can get it. Awesome. Go and check out hollywoodnorthnews.net for uh, all of that stuff over on there and uh, the videos and stuff and all of that kind of thing. Other people involved in the show, you can, of course, go and find Bex on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She is streaming every week over there she's raising money until i think until the end of the year for samaritans she's doing a great job she's raised a load so far but go and go over and support her she's uh, just a wonderful charity very much needed at this time of year even more so than normal so uh, go over there go support her you'll have a lot of fun talking or playing games or painting herself in really horrific like pokemon or whatever else she is she's doing for charity but go and check her out over there that's uh, twitch.tv forward slash trista bites go and check that out and matt you can find lots and lots more podcasts over there on entertainmenttalk.org or for manu podcast and for gaming talk and lots and lots of other things as well you can go and check out entertainmenttalk.org for that for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information and also go for uh, geektown.co.uk forward slash awards to enter the awards remember go and do that now once you finish listening to this show if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown on blue sky at geektown on instagram at geektown uk on tiktok at geektown uk and on threads at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.